I never broke into a car, I never hotwired a car, kid. I never broke into a trunk. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. It's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it, etch it in your brain. Not many people got a code to live by anymore. Hello there, and welcome to Out of Theaters. My name is Billy Culpa, along with my good friend and film critic, Will Pfeiffer. Will, hello there. Hi, Billy. If you've listened to the podcast before, thank you for once again downloading. And if you've never heard the show before, the premise is simple. Will has seen lots of movies. I have not. So Will introduces brand new movies for me to watch, and the two of us debate the merits, uh, you know, usually 50 years later. This week's featured movie is 1984's Repo Man. But first, I'd like to ask my friend Will, have you seen any good movies lately? You know, I, I've seen a few good movies lately, but I would like to go back over the past year and talk about just a few real quickly, some of the best movies I saw from 2019. Do you mind if I interrupt you for a moment? No. So we were supposed to release this podcast in December yes. of 2019. When it would have made sense to do my year-end list at the end of the year. <laughs> now we're almost to February of 2020. We and are. I just wanted to explain why we were absent. Uh, I got the flu, like the legit, I... I uh believe in vaccines. I think they're important, but I've always skipped the flu shot vaccine. It seems like marketing to me. And then I got my ass handed to me by the flu this year. I got the vaccine and I've been healthy as a horse. My goodness. I, I, I still, <laughs> I'm still feeling symptoms and it's been five weeks. Um, on your side of things, um, an important uh, family member died. Yeah, unfortunately, our little guinea pig peanut passed away and we were nursing her, feeding, believe it or not, we were actually getting up in the middle of the night to feed her with the syringe and she just, she just couldn't do it. So it's it's an interesting thing. Like, a, you know, it doesn't seem, I, I mean this with respect, don't be mad. Of course. It's a pet. It's like, oh, that doesn't seem like a reason not to produce the podcast. But it's like when you're feeding this thing every four hours, like it's a baby and you're yeah. not sleeping. I, and it's, it's I, I 100% get it. Yeah. So, I mean, and plus the holidays. I mean, it was a, it was a lot of a lot of factors coming together to prevent us from. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. There was Christmas and everything else, too. Yeah. yeah timely so, fashion. so now that we're a month <laughs> into the new decade, how about you tell us about your favorite movies of the last? Decade? I will. And I will do this quickly. So I'm you don't just have to be quick. Down. We got all the time in the world. It's a podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast. We, there are podcasts out there that are five hours long. Let's go for it. This. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't worry. No, people. <laughs> we'll be in and out in about an hour. If you've never listened before, we try to keep it to a tight 60. Um. The, okay, I will just start with what my favorite movie of the year was. And it's a movie I saw with my my friend Billy. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was uh, my pick for top movie of the year. Quentin's sort of Valentine to the 60s era of Hollywood crossed with a little twist on the Manson family legend. So we are working from 1 to 10, not 10 to 1. Um, well, this that was just my favorite. The rest aren't in a particular oh, okay, order. Okay. So, but I just wanted to spotlight that one. I loved it. I got it on Blu-ray. I've seen it like three times so far. Did you did you watch the bonus features yet? Yes, I like did. The extra commercials and stuff. I did the extra commercials, and um, also I was I one thing I wanted to that surprised me in the bonus features is uh, you know, the whole movie Quentin is very much sort of old Hollywood. He likes to film on film, and he he doesn't like you know computer effects or anything like that. So all the streets in Los Angeles famously. He actually redid them, convinced the businesses to put up old facades, vintage billboards, movie posters, including that sort of thing. Starbucks. 
Cool. Yes. Which if you're going up against Starbucks, this is that's no small thing. So they did that. He managed to actually block traffic on Sunset Boulevard, which is one of the busiest streets in Los Angeles. So but um, there is a scene where you follow Brad Pitt's character to his trailer and he lives behind a drive in. And that drive in was torn down years ago, decades ago. But I've on the they have pictures and a little video. Um, they did that all with a miniature. Oh. Yeah, they build a miniature. There's actually a plane in the scene. It's a miniature plane. It's not CGI'd at all. It's all like classic miniature. It's like hung effect. from a string or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It's I mean, I appreciate that sort of attention to detail. Yeah. I mean, the cars in that movie, there's a um at the very end, I'm not gonna spoil the ending in case you haven't seen it, but the Manson family, Tex Watson and three of the Manson girls are driving around heading for their Sharon Tate's house. And uh, the car they used is an exact duplicate of Tex Watson's car. In fact, they found the people who own Tex Watson's actual car. I can't remember the make and model. Uh, yeah, Ford but, Thunderbird. But or they were like, like, they were like, would you like to pay us however much money and we'll let you use it? And they, the guy in charge of cars decided it would be too creepy to actually use the car. So they had a, they had the same make and model, and then they took photos of the real one and duplicated. Right. They didn't want to use the actual murder car. So. That seems like Quentin would like that. I don't, I think maybe up, to, well, again, without revealing how a movie ends, you know, it's, mm. things take a twist. So, but anyway, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, strong cosign. Yeah, strong. I know Billy saw it and he liked it. My wife liked it too. So it's a, it's a great movie. Um, a few of the <laughs> other was, <laughs> my wife liked it too. So it's good. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't know how, but she, she went in saying, I don't want to see Sharon Tate and her baby get carved up on screen. And I said, don't worry, you won't see that. You know, I think I watched it with my wife, too. And her answer was, that was a lot less messed up than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. She was like, that was pretty calm and boring. You know, I mean, it's not a boring movie, but it's, no, it's, it's a, a hangout. It's a calm movie. movie. It it's is. Really I mean, it's a ch- yeah. I mean, the ending is sort of the action packed part. But most of the movie is just hanging out with Brad Pitt and. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, wives both both approved. That's interesting. It is. That never well, happens. You, but again, there is a shirtless Brad Pitt that shows up at a certain point. So Brad Pitt is your age. He's a he's older than me. He is shockingly handsome. He at is fifty nine years old. Where the hell he is? And but he doesn't look like too young. You know what right. I mean? Oh, it's we, crazy. We can only all be Brad. Pitt. I hope to live that long. Well, so do I. <laughs> and I'm looming in on it. Uh, a few other movies this year that I liked. I like The Irishman. I think we've talked about that. Scorsese. We did a movie. whole episode about it. That's right. We did do a whole episode. Remember sorry. that? It's been so long. I've forgotten. <laughs> I really like The Irishman. Again, on Netflix, you can watch it now. Um, I really like Jojo Rabbit. That's uh, a Taika Watiti's movie about uh, a little boy who's in the Hitler youth, and his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler, played by Watiti. So I like that a lot. It's a very dark comedy, very entertaining. Um, I really like Little Women. I don't know what that is. It's a well. It's based on a classic novel by Louisa May Alcott. It's been made into a movie. I want to say literally five times, maybe. Um, in this one, it's directed by Greta Gerwig, who's she's actress and she's moved into directing. Is she the one who was married to the Noah Baumbach? Okay, who, yes. did, who did Marriage Story? That's right. Okay, yes. Um, and she took the book, which is about four sisters living in the Civil War era. One of them, the main sister they pay attention to, Joe, wants to be a writer. I mean, clearly, she's sort of the autobiographical character because she's writing a book about her family and this and that. And she, Greta Gerwig, what she does is, is in her script, um, she's very strict to the book and what happens, but she plays with the timeline. 
Like she, you know, it flashes back and forward and skips around. And I thought it really worked. Okay. And I really, I really liked it. And um, I thought uh, Saoirse Ronan, who played her, was great. Chris Cooper is in it from American Beauty. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk is in it from uh, Better Call Sal and Mr. Show. We've been watching a lot of the Muppets movie in my house. The, uh-huh. the new one. The, the new one with, with Jason J- Siegel. And Chris Cooper is the bad guy. That's right. He's Tex Richmond. That's right. Tex Richmond, <laughs> which is a great name for a bad guy. So I'm prepared to say from this point forward, we're going to say Chris Cooper from the Muppet movie. Okay. Not from well, his beauty. Been a lot of. <laughs> no, but, but he's in this movie, he plays a very good guy, which is unusual to see, but it's it's really well done. And um Illinois Poorman. What? Illinois <laughs> Illinois Poorman. Nice. It would be, I guess, are they in New Hampshire? I think. They're on the East Coast somewhere. <laughs> but um and the, the, one of the other characters, the character of Amy in the movie is played by a young actress named um, Florence Pugh, who is also in one of my other favorite movies, Midsommar, which is a horror movie where she plays a woman who horrible thing happened to her family. She goes with her boyfriend who their relationship is very much nearing the end. They go to a festival in Sweden and it, everything goes completely batshit crazy. <laughs> and it is a wild movie. I loved it. That's also, that's on your 2019 list. Yes, okay. very much. Yeah, that was my clever transition. I got it. Well, I, I was so Pugh. clever and so smooth, I was actually confused. I know, it was so smooth. But Midsummer, I liked a lot. Another horror movie I liked a lot was Us, which is the second movie from Jordan Peele. Okay. Yeah, um, you've talked about this a lot. I, I like, really liked it. And you know, we watched it again because it's playing on cable somewhere, so we flipped it on. And I some people like the, they, they said, that couldn't happen. And I agree, if you break this movie down, it's impossible. But who cares? I think it works beautifully. I think it's scary when it needs to be. It's funny when it needs to be. It's creepy when it needs to be. And it has a great performance by, and I'm going to <coughs> massacre her name, Nepita Yongo. She was in 12 Years a Slave. She was in Black Panther. She's great. I wish she had gotten nominated for an Oscar because the, the role she has, she has to kind of play a dual role with a twist to it. I really like Dolomite Is My Name, which is on Netflix. Starring Eddie Murphy um, about Rudy Ray Moore, who made uh, these crazy black exploitation movies in the 70s, Dolomite and Human Tornado. It's very much sort of an Ed Wood kind of movie written by the same guys, in fact, about a guy with dreams to make movies. He has no budget, maybe not as much talent as he should have, but, you know, sort of the underdog. It's, uh, it's very funny and it's actually very heartwarming, surprisingly heartwarming and a great performance by Wesley Snipes in it, too, Okay, who you haven't seen in a while. And uh, rounding it out, one of the last movies I saw, um, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, who last brought us The Last Jedi, mm. which That's- I, you know, I like parts of, I didn't like parts of. Knives Out is a lot of fun. I really want to ask you about this movie, but I have a point to make that I, I'm begging somebody to to get back to me on this. I've made it for a couple of years okay. now. I think Ryan Johnson sounds exactly like Big Head from Silicon Valley. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk. I'm going to. I have heard him talk, but I, in fact, I listened to a podcast recently where he was on it. So it was like him talking for an hour. His his delivery. What do you call that? Like sort of his like his pattern. cadence. Yeah, his yeah. cadence. It, it's like it's exactly big head. It's shy. I'm just I will have to check. My wife like looked up from whatever phone thing she was looking at. She's like, why? Is, oh, that's not big head. Like it <laughs> like struck her to like look up and check it out. Yeah, he, it's identical. It's weird. I hope he hears this. 
I'm sure he yeah. will. He listens regularly. He does. Well, he made, you know, and whatever you think of Last Jedi, he made Looper, which I we I really liked. I don't think you liked it, didn't you? I love, yeah. love Looper. And so this one, it's it's a mystery. It's like, like a classic sort of Agatha Christie mystery where there's a family gathered. The patriarch is dies. Who did it? And Daniel Craig plays the detective in this, and he is so much fun. I have a feeling that this is him relaxing after playing James Bond. Because he really lets it cut loose. I read on Twitter that they were going to make sequels to this movie. I've heard that. But different, just basically him doing his job yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, he's the detective who yeah. comes in. So, And it, I would go see that because this is fun. And it's like, you know, it's not a serious movie, but it's a smart kind of movie where there's twists. You're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. How did you feel about Chris Evans sort of playing against type? He's fun. I mean, everyone in it is... It's this isn't like heavy acting or anything, but it's all everyone seems to be having a good time doing it. So you have a good time. Plus the house, it's the the set or whatever. It's like I want to live in this mansion. It's just great. Okay. So knives out. Liked it a lot. I didn't see real quick. I didn't see the lighthouse, which I want to see. I didn't see Parasite, which I'm dying to see. The South Korean movie, it's up for best picture. It's got six Academy Award nominations. Yeah, I'm. I'm in fact, that goes up for rental online next week, and I'm gonna rent it. Um. I didn't see uh, Marriage Story. I don't know if I will. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I didn't see Crawl, which is this movie about alligators in a flooded Florida, which everyone says is one of the most fun horror movies of the year. So I'm going to check that out. Do you know what you did see? What? You saw Joker. I did. And notice it didn't make <laughs> this list at all. 12 Academy Award nominations, Will. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a bad movie. <laughs> I sent out a congratulatory uh, article on our Facebook page to... I appreciated the amount of inside jokes that we got from, from yes, other folks. It's not good. And speaking of folks who uh, get the inside jokes, I wanted to thank a couple donors this week, Eric E. and Dan S., uh, longtime listeners, active on our Facebook page with us. We received a couple donations from you guys right before I got the flu, so we never acknowledged you. I would like to say thank you. Thank you very much. Seriously, we really appreciate it. They're actually going to go to help pay for our web hosting fees this year. All right. So. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm grateful. Uh, if you'd like to donate, you can go to outoftheaters.com. There's a big donate button in the corner. Um, and with that, I think we're ready to talk about this week's featured movie, Repo Man. Repo Man. Otto. Mr. Holmes. You were late again this morning. Now, normally, I'd let it go, but it's been brought to my attention that you're not paying attention to the way you space the can. Many young men of your age in these uncertain times. Otto, are you paying attention to me? Hey, he's talking to you. Fuck you. Repo Man released in uh, 1984. Um, sort of a punk rock comedy, but let me let me run down the plot of this. We've got a young guy named Otto. Played by Emilio Estevez, right in the era when it's after The Outsiders, but I believe before Breakfast Club. So he was, you know, kind of his teen star era. Um, he's a young punk in L.A. He's kind of a ne'er-do-well. He gets fired from his terrible grocery store job um, for pushing his co-worker into a, a, can, a display, a display yeah. of cans when he won't stop singing. Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. <laughs> Um, so he has no money because he's essentially a bum. His parents have donated all his college savings or what he was supposed to use to go to college to, um, 
to a preacher somewhere to buy Bibles in El Salvador, some bullshit. Yeah. Um, so he's walking along one day wondering what he's going to do. And Harry Dean Stanton, one of the most fun actors, plays a guy named Bud who pulls up and says he needs him to take his car because his wife's having a baby. He said, like, I need you to get this car this bad neighborhood. Look, my old lady's real sick. I got to get her to the hospital, okay? So what? Take her there. I can't. I can't leave her car in this bad area. Look, I need some helpful soul to drive it for me, okay? She's pregnant. She, with twins, she could drop at any time, all right? Well, uh, how much are you going to give me? Fifteen bucks. No. We'll do it for less than twenty. Twenty-five. Follow me in my old lady's car. It's right here, okay? Whatever he does it, he gets it. They drive to a repo place called, I believe, the Helping Hand Acceptance Corporation, which is, I, I love that name. Uh, and though he resists at first, he eventually becomes a repo man for this company. So he uh, he has mentors. He has Bud. He has another another guy named Light. If you notice, by the way, all the names are beers. Bud Light. The mechanic's name is Miller. Um, <laughs> and uh, so so they're doing their repo thing, and they. Meanwhile, there's a scientist driving around in a Chevy Malibu with what are rumored to be alien corpses in the trunk. And anytime anyone opens the trunk, like radiation comes out and they disappear and they glow like their skeleton appears. And then their shoes are left like a smoking ruin on the side of the road. Kind of weird that all of their clothes disappear except their shoes. It is. Well, what's even more weird is how everyone is always obsessed with what's in the trunk. What's in the trunk? Like that's if they pull them over. The first thing is, what do you got in the trunk? I, I go months without opening my trunk. Exactly. But okay. I mean, that's a joke. You know, it's obviously the deliberate. whole the whole movie is a the joke. whole movie is. Yeah, is a joke. And so the plot of, you know, Otto and the the aliens in the trunk and everyone is now looking for this car because there's a twenty thousand dollar bounty on a crappy old Chevy Malibu, which is a huge amount of money in the repo man business. So it brings in government conspiracies and a young woman um, that uh, Otto meets is, is, you know, she's involved somehow and it all and Otto's old friends who are punks and they're on sort of crime spree robbing liquor stores and stuff all these things converge at the end in sort of a weird cosmic uh synchronicity you know like if somebody says plate or shrimp and then you say plate to shrimp and so it's all you know it's the lattice of coincidence which is a classic speech in the middle of the movie which I'm sure Billy will play for you now a lot of people don't realize what's really going on they view life as a bunch of unconnected incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this, like, lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example, show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp, out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. Uh, what? All right, let me let me kind of stop you there because that that's a lot of plot. Um, it is a lot. It's a lot of plot for a movie that kind of meanders around. <laughs> yeah, that that I think you said earlier. Uh, Once upon a time was a hangout movie. This is a bit of a hangout movie. Oh, definitely. You're I watching these guys, you know, discuss the philosophy of repossessing <laughs> people's cars. The repo the, code. <laughs> you're learning how to do the job. There's a weird grease lightning scene. The, the L.A. River, you know? Yeah, that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. just apparently now just shows up in every movie we're going to watch. The thing shows up a lot. It does. It's it, Yeah, it's and they yeah it's usually people driving cars, and it's the, uh, who is it? The Rodriguez brothers, who are their rival. It's like their rival repo company. But they turn out to be pretty cool guys. They seem really reasonable. By yeah, and somehow, and they're like much smarter than the guys we're following around. They're much more put together. 
Uh, I, I try, I want to build a little bit of structure into this, but let me start by asking you, do you like this movie? I love this movie. Why do you love this movie? Well, I mean, I love, I love the vibe of it. I mean, I like a good hangout movie. I like a movie that's quirky and this movie is beyond quirky. I mean, every character is a little weird. I love all this stuff like, you know, Harry Dean Stanton, he has the repo code and then like the other guy, you know, he has like the opposite repo code where they just, you know, he doesn't care about the cars. Um, I like the the punk milieu. I mean, this is when I was, this movie came out when I was a junior in high school. I was just kind of getting into that kind of music. And so, you know, I like the, it, there's very few movies that sort of tap into this kind of yeah, it, punk thing. Iggy Pop is the closing. He uh, did, he did the opening theme. Was it the opening? I thought he did yeah. the credit song. Sorry. Well, he did that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the credits is, on the album, there's lyrics. In yeah. the movie, it's just. Got it. And the Circle Jerks make an appearance. Circle Jerks make an appearance. They're playing a band. They do. Uh, I, I actually love that because they're they're the Circle Jerks are a very famous proto punk to punk band. You know they've been around not, yeah. forever, and but they use them in a way where instead of them being the Circle Jerks, they're actually like a lounge. They're like a terrible. Yeah, and they're playing when the shit hits fan, but in like a loungy. We all got stuff. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's that's, great. Like, it's very just, funny. And I'm glad they're in on that joke. And I'm glad later Emilio Estevez is like, the Circle Jerks suck. He says it. Like, yeah. I think he says the band sucks. The band sucks, but, but it's them. Yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. Just as an aside, Greg Hetson is in the Circle Jerks, one of the founding uh, guitar players of Bad Religion. Oh. So, and he's still in that band today. Like, it's pretty cool. I, I was the like, Circle hey, Jerks or Bad Religion? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. Um, and then, you know, well, and, and then, you know, on this, th I knew a lot of people who had, like, we had this videotape in college and we watched it all the time. But even more than that, everyone I knew had the soundtrack because mm -hmm. you got those guys, but you also have um, Suicidal Tendencies, which the song Institutionalized was like, you know, a, it wasn't a hit single, but everyone knew that song back then. Um, Black Flag's on it because Emilio is, he sings TV Party at one point. I mean, these were all, it's a very punk movie and it has sort of a feel, you know, I mean, they're slam dancing and, and it just has that kind of a vibe. Like this is not a movie made for mom and pop and you I, know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. I 100% agree, except in the, the first note I put in my phone as I watched this movie was, I don't buy Emilio Estevez as a punk. Well, maybe not. I mean, he's he's so pretty. He's the, I mean, he was originally, or at least the guy who plays his buddy, um, the actor's name is Dick Rude and he's the, he's <laughs> sure the, he is. I know. Well, whatever. <laughs> but um, he's uh He's the one who steals Emilio's girlfriend and they, he's the one who's like leading the crime spree. He thought in on the DVD extra features, he talks about how I thought I was going to be playing the auto role. And I think, I don't, you know, sometimes to get a movie made, you have to put a name. Yeah. When you have the opportunity poster. to cast Dr. Uh, uh, Gordon Bombay, coach of the, uh, the Mighty Ducks. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. There's a, in a the Mighty I, Ducks. By the whatever, way, I never will. <laughs> it's a childhood movie, but there's this one part where like he gets uh, too big of a head. The coach is too rich and famous for his own good. And he starts making commercials for shoes. And the shoes are shoes for kids who want to coach. <laughs> and I can't, Matt, a good friend of ours, Matt. That Jones, actually is kind of funny. It's really funny. It's just That's a really of, funny bit that every once in a while a friend of mine will like make, just say, hey, there's shoes for kids who want to coach. And it, I die. It's so funny. That's pretty funny. And Emilio Estevez, I mean, he, you know, he, he hasn't made any other movies really like this. I mean, he was in, you know, The Outsiders. He was in Breakfast Club. But he's still working today. And my wife actually saw him speak at the... Uh, uh, American Library Association conference last year because he made a movie that came out last year called The Public. 
Um, he wrote and directed it. He stars in it. It's about a public library and sort of the issue of homelessness. It's a pretty entertaining little movie. And it's what's nice is it's a very personal movie. I mean, obviously, this isn't like a project the studio said, we're going to make a fortune. It's like he said, I want to tell this story. He got people he knew to be in it. He made it. It's pretty good. Apparently, it took him a while to get this made. I'm too. sure it did because it's not the kind of movie that is is a big budget kind of movie. It's no. pre- but I mean, what I was going to say is, I believe at the conference, he did a question and answer and somebody had him sign his their Repo Man DVD. And he was very like, he was very cool about it. You know, he I think he looks fondly back on this movie, maybe because it's so different from the rest of his. You know his what stuff. else he's in? Maximum Overdrive. He is in Maximum Overdrive. Now there's yeah. a movie. As everyone always says, the movie co-written by cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I try to try to bring that movie up in almost every episode. Well, I one love, of these days, we'll, I love have, that movie. we'll have to watch it. My it's favorite, got the Green Goblin truck. My favorite character in that movie is the pop machine that shoots Coke and hits yes. the coach right in the face and, and the kids cheer. I don't understand. Okay, I can understand a semi-truck becoming sentient and driving over people. What mechanism in a Coke machine can propel a can out so fast that it would kill you? I don't know, but the ATM tells somebody to fuck off. That's funny. <laughs> Which I like. <laughs> I think it opens like that. I we think- have to watch this movie. Yeah, clearly. It's it's so I haven't terrible. seen it in 30 years. Probably. ACDC does the entire, the entire they do, and they get killed. That's <laughs> not none wrong. Yeah, because their bus goes. Yeah. <laughs> ACDC, they've had a colorful history. I mean, their first singer, Bon Scott. You know, he did the classic died choking on his own vomit and then they replaced him with Brian Johnson and they barely skipped the beat. I mean, so. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, back off heavy metal, back to punk. So. Emilio Estevez gets to become the punk guy to the corporate guy because he decides he wants to dress like a square. He does. Well, that's what, uh, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton tells him you got to, you know, he says you got to dress like a detective. So he wears his, he wears like a t-shirt and like a blazer. But but then he, Harry Dean Stanton also like they do cocaine in the car like constantly. So there's a weird phenomenon in this movie where like there's stuff going on in the background and tons. I felt, but I felt tense like, oh, something's going to happen. Like they're going to get busted doing cocaine or what, you know, no. whatever. And it's nothing. Every yeah. single time it's just like. It's just little jokes. Like they throw, they find like a package in the car and he throws out the window and a car drives over and you see it was like it was probably like ten thousand dollars yeah and it, that's never referred to again but i mean harry i i love harry dean stanton in this movie because he's so like you know harry dean stanton is a great kind of gravelly cynical actor who's seen it all and i mean I, this, the line i love more than anything is when they're sitting there in the car and they look over and there's a family or something and he goes look at that ordinary people fucking hate him <laughs> you know who he reminds me of is uh um uh, the main guy from network i forget his name now i'm sorry the evangelist from network really peter finch he reminds me of like peter finch is like i'm mad and blah, 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 like and cranky and crotchy like this is where harry dean Stanton is headed maybe but he's so laid back like he rarely raises his voice but by know. no except he does but his character arc is he's like laying the law down hey kid this is the code let's do it and then over time Emilio Estevez is kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't really care. And it breaks. It breaks Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, I guess it kind of does. By the yeah. end of the movie, he's like breaking in and stealing the car. And it's like, he's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's good point. Good with point. Rage. Yeah. It's it's almost like it's funny, too, because he's mad that um, people are kind of breaking the rules and not following the code. The code. But, the repo code. But his whole thing is like, I'm going to quit this place and start my own thing. It's like, well, that doesn't seem like it's part of the code. Yeah, like, the code. He just gets angry. Anyway, it just reminds me of Peter Finch. Like, oh, okay. More, more mad. I didn't think of that. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not a great comparison, but uh, in the fly, I was like, it's like a young 
I'm mad as hell. Oh, um, yeah. Any other characters worth noting? Um, well, I like Light. It's uh, Cy Richardson. The other guy who takes him around. He's the one who's like, you know, call bullshit on that. And yeah, he's that the stuff. one who like carries a gun. Yeah. But they're blanks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he fires into a house. And it means, <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Milo Estevez, yeah, he goes out, tries to get the car. They have it jacked up, so he's like trying to start the car. You know, because what's well, that's a different one. That's a different scene. That's where he goes in to visit the grandmother. That's right. And, and they're like, he's good. He says he could take the car if he wanted to. And they're like, all it's we should mention it for the way the scene plays out. It's an African American grandmother, and all her gr- big grandsons come home. I think they all have like instruments. Like, yeah, well, they were like in a band or yeah. a church choir or well, there's something. Like Fifteen dudes. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, they're like trying to be like, well, I gotta go, and he's like just trying to put papers in his little briefcase and everything, and and then. Uh, but that's isn't that the one they start the car? No, he well he runs outside there and he get, that doesn't have anything to do with the guns okay. fired into the the house. The guns fired to the house thing is weird. He's like, hey, I need a right. It's because he gets beat up there. That's right. Oh, then they're like, yeah. And then he goes back to the the. They're the, like, who did that to you? And he won't tell. He tells him his buddy's dad did it. <laughs> the boss from the opening of the, the movie. Yeah, that's the, funny. The grocery store. Yeah, so that guy gets beat up. How about um the girl um. I feel bad. I don't know her name at all. Yeah. Uh, what is her name? I honestly can't. <laughs> She's. Um, I feel like it's like Chloe Marlene. Layla. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, Layla. 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 Yeah. Okay. And she, yeah, Layla's the one who um, he picks her up because he he drives his car into a bunch of garbage. And then and she, this old lady comes out saying, you pick up that garbage. And he's like, no, it's not going to happen. And then they, they drive off and they have a little relationship, but she's involved with the aliens and all that stuff going on. And it's, it's unclear, though, because she seems like she's part of like an independent think tank thing. Right. Not the government. But then the it's, government sort of absorbs her. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, it's it's deliberately it's the kind of movie where, you know, you can watch it and like, oh, this means this and this means this. You know, it's deliberately obtuse, I think. Sure. But then again, at the because. It's this kind of movie where I remember we used to love this is where, you know, you, it's a movie where it's you think, oh, they're going to get together and this and that. But the Repo Man stuff is so much more interesting that you kind of like, I don't want to see the parts with Layla. Get back to the yeah. cool Repo Man stuff. So at the end, she actually says that when he's going to the car, it has this sort of cosmic ending. But when he's going to leave, um, she says, like, but what about our relationship? And he just says, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe maybe it's very much a boy movie. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know, it is. Maybe. It's completely. Uh, so my my thoughts on it, um, since you were so eager to ask. I was. Well, that's I, part of the podcast. I felt like as I watched it, I didn't get it. It, it was it was there was really charming bits. Uh, the bits I really liked, like uh, the cans. Like, it's funny. The cans are all beer, right? Like they're just drinking beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The generic. It's all. It, well, no, it's even more generic. It's drink. It's drink. Well, it's beer the first time. Well, he's drinking beer. And then Harry Dean Stanton says, hey, kid, let's go get a drink. And then next it cuts and it's now they're drinking drink. Right. Which it's a joke on a joke. I thought that was pretty funny. There's a lot of um, a lot of stuff just moving in the background. That's funny. When he goes to visit his parents, he goes to the fridge and he pulls out a can. All it says is food. Yeah. And she's and the parents are like obsessed with TV. They're like they're watching that minister or whatever. And she's like. Heat it up, honey. It'll taste better. Or put it on a plate. It'll taste better. And you see now the candy's like, oh, mom, it couldn't taste any better. It's delicious right as it is or something like that. 
<laughs> I, I laugh at that. That stuff's funny. Yeah. But as a movie, I, I don't know. Like, I'm surprised this meets the standard of our podcast. Not that our podcast <laughs> has standards. High, First we, of all, let's get to the point that we have standards. We that. try to watch notable movies. We try to watch like, I mean, not that we don't, this isn't interesting, but this felt like kind of a throwaway movie to me. It didn't seem important. It didn't seem, it's like a one-off well, kind of funny movie that was interesting. But I think it's, I mean, maybe this is where we get in a definition of like, what is a cult movie? Mm-hmm. Because this is, you know, I, and I'm not arguing it, you know, it doesn't have a strong plot. There's a, there's a question mark at the end of everything I just said. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, uh, no, I know. Okay. And I mean, I was trying to describe like what happens and it's, you know, I lose track and I've seen this movie dozens of times. Yeah. But um, I think it's it's like we were talking about earlier, this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's very much a hangout movie. I mean, when this movie came out, I would watch it with my buddies and we would just, it's the kind of movie we would watch and we would know all the lines. Like he made this one point Miller, the guy, or um, yeah, Miller, the guy played by Tracy Walter, who's kind of the mechanic and he's the kind of the spacey guy. He yeah. gives this speech about John Wayne installing two-way mirrors and watching his buddies having sex and all this. We, I could recite that. Like if you woke me up in the middle of the night putting a gun to my head, I could recite that whole scene. Cause we just, we would recite lines from this movie. We would like remember certain favorite scenes. And I think that's the cult of the movie. It, I'm not, I can't blame you for not responding to it, but if it hit me at the right point, I mean, I saw it in college on the big screen and we would watch it repeatedly and listen to the soundtrack. I, I, I completely get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, that that's, and I would argue that our audience is older than I am. So maybe the, the I people mean, who listen to this episode are going to really know this movie b- right. back and front. Right. Uh, but maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, you know, the thing about a cult movie is it has its cult, but if you're outside the cult, you'll be like, I don't see what the big deal is, yeah. and, which is fine. I mean, that's certainly valid. It's funny how terrible the effects were. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's... But it didn't matter. Right? No, it's not yeah. the the point of the movie. Yeah, the effects are, you know, they really painted that car, right? Because at the end, the Chevy Malibu somehow glows green and levitates and all this stuff, and... I don't know why. They, they had like a how? helicopter shot of LA. Yeah. And it's like zooming around yeah. and Miller S is leaning out the window. I think they really like painted that car in glow paint and then hit it with lights. And it was quite blinding on the set. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, but again, it's like, you know, it's a, it's, it's written directed by Alex Cox who did Sid and Nancy and he's done some other stuff. The Sid and Nancy with, um, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. and who, which is kind of what sprung him off. Right. Like right. that was like his first. Movie. Yeah. That was his first movie. And that was the punk, movie too and this, yeah, this director is very punk centric he is yeah he alex cox he's a, a british fellow and i mean it's just a very you know this is they made it on a low budget they you know, found you know mike nesmith from the monkeys is the guy who actually got this made he was a producer on it got it got and it. so it's you know there's a lot of movies like this um maybe nowadays you know that nowadays this might be the kind of thing that would go straight to vod or yeah and I think almost the sad thing is there's so many movies like that now they kind of get lost. This was back at a time when there were fewer movies. There were, you know, it would show on campus. It would, you know, kind of word would get around. There'd be magazine articles written about it. It just seemed like it could, you, it could find a following. And nowadays it's harder for movies to find that following. This might be a loose connection just because of the punk rock angle. I want to, I want to talk about two movies, SLC punk, which I want to make fun of a bit. I like it, but I've never seen it. I know what it is, but I've never seen it. And then green room, which is newer. I've heard that's really good. Have you seen it? I haven't. I had my friend, a a buddy of mine mentioned it yesterday to me and said, it's really good. I heard it's very intense. Um, Green room is about a punk rock band who shows up somewhere, the rural area. Yeah. Plays a show in a bar. Um, 
a Nazi kills a guy in the crowd or something. And it's like, there's like, um, they decide they can't leave. Right. And it, because it's like a, a Nazi, like a, a, a Nazi group or like, you know, a white power group is there. And Patrick Stewart is like the head of the leader. And yeah. I've heard it's very good. I've heard it is intense. And I've heard like, you know, I know how you kind of cringe at parts. I heard there's a lot of oh, oh, sure, sure. those kind of parts. <laughs> I, I want to see it because I, I know a lot of people who like it. I don't love violence, but I don't mind it. I just don't like to see the insides of people. Yeah, I, You may see the, I don't know if you will or not. I know, I believe some blades or some uh, such things. Yeah, so, yeah, all right, fine. Okay. Right. But I want to bring those movies up <coughs> because this movie treats punkers kind of serious, but then they, it gets less serious as it goes on. Yeah. It, it like shows you this culture of people and- I honestly like the, the beginning when he's like his girlfriend asks him she, they're at a party house uh, and he's in bed with his girlfriend and he's kind of mean. He's got it's funny how like he's a jerk. He's a jerk. Yeah. The he's whole a time. jerk he through just the whole movie. He takes he never, his pants off. He's like, hey, hey, come on. But I'm ready. <laughs> you know? Um, and she's like, well, go get me a beer. So he goes to get her a beer. And when he comes back, so like she's sleeping with somebody else. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that's like straight out of SLC Punk or anything else. Well, yeah. Right? And but, I mean, I think this movie was filmed, you know, I don't know Alex. I think Alex Cox was very much into the whole punk thing. I don't know if it was in America, but in England. But it feels like a movie made from the inside. Yeah, I agree Where with that. it's not like saying, hey, these punks are the coolest people ever. It's like, these punks can be idiots. They're fun, you know, whatever. But here's sort of their world. It doesn't feel like it was made by a studio saying, we need to make a punk movie kind of a thing. I bring it up because by the end, they're cartoons. And they're kind of cartoons. They're kind anyway. of cartoons through the whole thing. But it gets it gets more and more cartoony. Well, it gets like, more like science fiction. When the one guy has to open the trunk and then they all just scatter. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, um, I, you know, I don't want to use the time to talk about SLC Punk. Not that great of a movie, but interesting because it's it really gets into what it means to be punk. It's kind of stupid. Matthew Lillard is the star. And it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, you're punk, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, or shaggy, I guess, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't play the dog. Nah, he kind of did. <laughs> he looked like it. So uh, I, I'm kind of out of plot and character parts. I don't really think any of the other characters are that notable. I don't know if you want to bring any of them up. Um, I mean, it's not. It's it's Emilio Estevez, Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, Tracy Walter, who plays Miller, he's the guy who makes the the speech about this plate of shrimp, and he's kind of the space cadet, and he's the one in the end who gets in the car. And, you know, he's kind of the weirdo guy. Who's the guy who was married to Michelle Pfeiffer? Fisher. Fisher Stevens. I thought that was Fisher Stevens, like, for most of the movie. No. I looked it up. I was like, oh. Tracy Walter is in Jonathan Demme, who directed Silence of the Lambs and a bunch of other movies. He he is Tracy Walter in just about every movie he ever made. That's, he was kind of a good luck charm for him. Yeah, that seems like a good gig to get. Mm -hmm. Just be somebody's charm. That's, man, that's the way to do it. It's like the guy in uh, John Ratzenberger. No, it's not, it's not Ratzenberger. Who is it that's in, yeah, all, John of Ratzenberger. The, in all of the Pixar movies? Yep. That seems like a good gig. Yeah, it's an easy gig. Especially yeah. Pixar, you get that little check every yeah. quarter or something. Oh, yeah. So we talked about music. <clears throat> How do you feel about the way the movie looks? Especially because it's pretty low budget. I like the way it looks. I like the, um, because it's it's all, it's very much a Los <laughs> Angeles movie. It's set in Los Angeles. It's, you know, very much the culture of LA punk as opposed to New York punk or London punk or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I like how everything looks kind of, it's just bleached out like it's, you know, just sunburnt. And it's it's not like Hollywood, Los Angeles. He's like walking along these streets and it, it's very run down. Yeah. I, I like the I mean, the vibe feels authentic 
you know, it, it doesn't feel like it was filmed in a studio. It feels like it was filmed on the streets. I like the jokes, like homeless guy's dead and like a group of people just pick him up and carry him away. Yeah. Just, but he keeps walking like, eh, it's, it's just what happens here. It's just, yeah. And there's, you know, fl- I like the scene when the there's like a van broken down and the guys are like trying to get it started and they're wearing the hazmat suits while they do it. It's like, it's, and it, though, again, like you said, those are just background. Does, just it, does it play into it? Maybe, no. maybe yeah. not. Yeah. 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 That's, I, I did. I liked it too. I thought, uh, like I said, the, the animation wasn't great, but otherwise. But, but it, I think if it was great, that wouldn't fit. Maybe. It's all kind of very handmade. You know, it's very punk, you know, but without deliberately being so. It's a low budget, you know, kind of movie. I, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was the the controversy over the sequel. Yeah, he made a sequel. Repo Chick. Repo Chick, which I own. <laughs> And I've owned it for years. I got it when I worked at the paper, which was seven, eight years ago. I've never watched it. It's sort of a, he he got sued, right? It's like a, I I think the story goes, he wanted to make it. They threatened to sue him. He decided that it didn't use any of the characters. It didn't have any, I mean, it's, it's got the word repo in it, but it doesn't share any intellectual property. So he went ahead with it. And I think turns out nobody really watched it, including the men who own it. And the whole thing, I, I mean- this sounds like, on the one hand, I kind of want to see what it looks like. On the other hand, it sounds terrible. It was all shot in front of a green screen. Oh. I know. Oh. So, I don't know. Universal sent uh, Alex Cox a cease and desist order because he didn't have the rights to do a sequel. I have it. I mean, maybe someday I'll watch it. Although, <laughs> I'd rather watch Repo Man for the 900th time <laughs> than watch Repo Chick. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Repo Man? I don't. Although I will say this, I know sometimes we uh, banner back and forth about the Criterion Collection. <laughs> Billy hates physical media, and he always sort of mocks the studious of the Criterion Collection. No, you know I don't. Uh, let me just. I want to be clear. Uh, it's hard to make fun of people who are good at their jobs. Um, although I would say Mitch McConnell's exception, but he's not good at his job. He's, well, I, I guess he's good at his <laughs> he's job. Good with, yeah. Yeah, what you know, exactly. if you're an evil <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm actually coughing. I'm still sick here. Sorry about that. I appreciate that Criterion exists. It's just funny to me that I have never had a person ask me or discuss it except for you. Right. It does not exist. I used to outside be on their of, freebie list. You know? Outside of oh, our relationship. Cool. So every once in a while you go, hey, look at my new Criterion. And I'm like, what? But I, today I brought in the Criterion of Repo Man to show Billy. And Billy, what do you think of the design? It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It, it looks exactly. And it's very Homemade punky looking. It looks of. exactly like the credits. Yeah, it's very, it's, uh, it's, bl- it's, it's black and white and glowing green, <laughs> essentially. And the, uh, the insert book, I don't know why I'm leafing through it. Nobody can see it, but it's very, it's like comics and it's all pasted together like a punk scene. And the disc itself doesn't have the title on it. It just says disc, which that's brilliant. Yeah. That that's, was, that's a sweet touch. Do you think? That company works with like one guy who is just like, I have an, I, I'll, I'll take that project boss and, you know, kind of goes Sometimes, off. I think they have, I think they have a, a person who know, who has contacts with different artists and says, this person would be great. Cause you know, they'll do something like a classic, you know, uh, Ingmar Bergman movie and they're not going to do this too. No, of course not. But they've had people like Dan Klaus, who's a great cartoonist and Jaime Hernandez. And, you know, they're very good at fitting the look to the movie, I think. I, w- I just wonder, from like a corporate perspective, do they get together once a week in their meeting and go, okay, what movie are we going to do this week, guys? And they... Uh, they, I mean, it's... I think with all these companies, it's who can we get the rights to? What do people want? Um, what have we maybe released on DVD like 10 years ago? We want to put on a Blu-ray. You know, sure. they're very... And they, they release it... 
it's just so nerdy, but forgive me. 15th of every month is when they announce it. That they announce their movies. And and I'm always I always ch- I have a I'm on their email thing, so I get the email, but there are online forums where people like will put their predictions of what it's gonna be and this and that. Mm-hmm. I understand that I'm the foil in this podcast <laughs> and that I accept the mean tweets and the Facebook messages, but you people look at look at this relationship and tell me who should be made fun of. <laughs> on the 15th of the month. <laughs> okay. Yes. But sometimes it's not the 15th and then the forums go bananas. <laughs> like God forbid like a holiday is on the 15th. Oh my god. Oh. What, what's your what's your Criterion collection forum name, Will? Are you it's on the not phone? mine. It's just called the Criterion Forum or something. But like are you not a? a I'm not user? a member. That's regrettable. But I have checked it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Um, I love Repo Man. I think a lot of people my age, specifically guys, like Repo Man. But as with all cult movies, if you don't respond to it, I can, you know I can't say you're wrong. It's it connects or it doesn't. But I think it's a an interesting movie, and in I don't think there's any other movie quite like it. I agree. I, I enjoyed watching it. It felt very eighties. It, it had like the the feel of almost like the Warriors, or yeah, almost. I know this, this is going to sound kind of weird, but almost like Creep Show. I got like kind of just that aesthetic. Yeah, that kind of eighties. Yeah, you know, there's eighties the movies have a definite feel to them they they all look like you're watching a vhs no matter how high quality yeah. it is <laughs> no <laughs> you're really weird <laughs> it's well, certain cameras and lenses that were used back then yeah. and film stocks and lighting i mean lighting does a huge thing for it so yeah color schemes and but i thought i thought it was perfectly good i laughed yeah. I, I it just um it didn't blow you away though it didn't blow me away to, and it felt like a lesser movie than what i'm used to being asked to watch okay. by you um you know, it's a I don't mean it's disrespect. No, it's, I, just, I think that's a, that's a good response. It's an interesting response. Okay, uh, that's what we thought of the movie. We'd love to know what you think mm-hmm. of the movie and this podcast and my obsession with Criterion. <laughs> Find us on. It's not iTunes anymore. It's just the podcast yeah, app. You know, come on. Guys. Well, Will doesn't understand technology. I so. don't. <laughs> Find us on the podcast app or Spotify uh, at Out of Theaters. Mm-hmm. We. Everybody says this. You guys, if you listen to this podcast, you listen to other podcasts, but we need the reviews. Right. We really do. We do. It, it, when we share it with other people, it helps us to see all these five-star reviews. It makes us seem legit, even though you people know we're not. It does help us give the And appearance. I think it does boost you up, doesn't it? Yeah, but we're so low. Are, it doesn't. Right. I mean, we're not a, you know, we're not, we're not competing with like Vox Media or Gimlet or <laughs> any, guys. you know, whatever. These or are Conan people. O'Brien's right, podcast. Right, right. Whatever <laughs> the guy who has a TV show decided, I'll do a podcast too. Kind of bump everybody down one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Conan. But leave us a five-star review if uh, they're funny or clever. We will try to read. Actually, honestly, I read almost all of them. Yeah, there. send that. Yeah, we will tweet us. You know, we're on Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> now, we know what we're doing next week. So why don't you go ahead and tell us? Because it's a complete polar opposite of this movie. Well, I think it's a it's another movie that had definitely influenced the punk era, maybe before punk even developed. And it's about a level of a young rascal finding his way in the world, much like Repo Man. A Rathscallion? A Rathscallion, a, a young boy looking to make his name for himself, having a little fun while he does it. Uh, we are talking about Stanley Kubrick's classic, A Clockwork Orange. I have watched this movie in the time between now and the next podcast, and I have thoughts for you. Oh, I can't wait because I have thoughts as well. Okay, well, thank you for downloading this episode, and thanks for listening with us. We'll see you next week with A Cock of Orange. Until next time, we'll miss you all. Most of all? Most of all.